This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI Senior Writer Al Castle, joined once again by my co-host and fellow senior writer, Dan Murphy. How are you, Dan? I'm doing well. Glad to be back for another week. Yes, it's been a few weeks, and uh, I think I'm pulling you out of a bar. Is that right? Sometimes you need to be pulled out of a bar. <laughs> kayfabe, man. Keep kayfabe. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I was doing some research, some valuable research. Sure. But yes, uh, I, was, I was out meeting a, uh, an acquaintance at a, uh, a saloon, a tavern, if you will, and... Uh, Ready to do some uh, broadcasting right. for we'll the, try to keep uh, it brief <laughs> before happy hour is <laughs> over. Um, anyway, uh, as I said, it's been a few weeks, so uh, lots to talk about. Uh, we've both been out there talking a lot about the PWI 500, and, and I'd like to touch uh, on that in a bit. We'll talk about uh, some of the feedback and all that we've gotten over the last few weeks, and um, there's been a lot of news since we last talked. Uh, all in, uh, I, I think one of the more newsworthy shows I think it's fair to say in our lifetime uh, happened a few weeks ago. It's the first we've gotten to talk since then, so we're going to cover that uh, in a bit. And also lots of news coming out of WWE with uh, both Hell in a Cell, which wasn't the most necessarily newsworthy show, uh, but but some stuff coming out of there. And I think the bigger news has to do with some of these other shows they've got coming around the corner. Uh, the Super Showdown in Australia, another uh, Saudi Arabia show, and some of the names that um, are factoring big into those shows, uh, including potentially a Shawn Michaels return. So uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. And then uh, on the topic of All In, um, one of the stars, maybe for better or for worse, one of one of the real newsmakers out of All In was uh, Joey Ryan. And we're going to feature an interview that you conducted a few weeks uh, ago with Joey. And this was before All In, right? Yes, it was. It was on... Uh... June 30th, if I remember, uh, after a show in uh, Buffalo, New York. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a little bit before that, but it, it, it's a very, uh, I mean, whenever you get to talk to Joey, it's, it's insightful, it's interesting, and it's before the big all-in show, but he has a lot to say, talking about his past, talking about his uh, past with impact, and about his thoughts on the business today. So I, I think it's still, uh, you know, really an interesting piece of uh, um well, it's a good story. It's a, it's a good bit of insight from Joey. Yeah, and, and as I said, uh, coming out of All In, certainly one of the names that was most talked about uh, was Joey Ryan. Uh, but again, not necessarily everybody maybe uh, speaking positively. And, and I've got my own thoughts on it, and, and we'll talk about that uh, in a bit. So a lot to cover uh, here today. Before we get to all of that, uh, let's tell you about Pro Wrestling Illustrated. As I mentioned, the current issue... Uh, not sure if, well, I haven't gotten in my mailbox yet, so you probably haven't either, but you should soon, and it's been uh, available on the uh, digital edition for some time now. It's our big issue of the year. It's a PWI uh, 500. By now you know, Kenny Omega is uh, the number one ranked wrestler in the 2018 PWI 500. Uh, we've both been making the round some, uh, talking about it. I, I got to talk to the, the guys at Busted Open, uh, Bully Ray and my buddy Dave LaGreca a couple of weeks ago. I'm going on uh, with uh, Raj uh, tomorrow, and I've done a few other um, shows, and uh, certainly a lot of interest this year, I'd say, uh, in, in this year's PWI 500. What's been some of the feedback you've gotten, Dan? 
Well, it, it's interesting because it's not a WWE person that's number one. It's Kenny Omega. So there's a lot of interesting people talking about, you know, what does this mean for WWE? It's the second consecutive year where it's been a non-WWE competitor as number one in the 500. And is that a kind of a harbinger for what's to come for WWE? Is it a sign that really the, the kind of uh, real fan base uh, behind uh, pro wrestling is, is moving away? which I think it is to a degree, and, and certainly after Hell in a Cell, I, I think they should. But yeah. um, I, I think that it's it's really interesting, and, and there's a lot of interest out there on Reddit, on different podcasts, different interviews. I uh, just did a, a story for the uh, paper up in uh, Wisconsin, Kingston, Ontario. They're doing a, a little piece on the 500. So there's definitely a lot of interest out there, and Kenny Omega is a, a really unique choice that we, we made, um, that we've discussed, and why we made that choice here on the podcast. Um, but I think it is definitely something that's a talking point, because it's different. It's different from what WWE is presenting, and I think it's a real kind of barometer of where wrestling is in 2018, that the top guy in the 500 uh, is not somebody that Vince McMahon and WWE is, is promoting. And that's yeah. worth talking about. Yeah, and, and I think uh, the reaction has largely been positive. I think you're going to get some people who think we're trying to appeal to a certain type of fan with, with this pick. And uh, I, I always just kind of throw back to the to the criteria, and, that, and I think that's what the good thing about, is about the 500 is that it, it's not a popularity contest. It's not who I want to be number one or you want to be number one or anybody else. I mean, as much as you can take kind of a scientific uh, approach to it, we do. So um, uh, I, I think that shields us a little bit from, from some criticism. There's always going to be uh, some criticism. Um, you mentioned Hell in a Cell, one of the big names coming out of there, I'd say... Uh, has been the where I've heard the most uh, debate, criticism, uh, questioning, and that's Brock Lesnar and our decision to have him as, as high as we do. I think is he number four this year or something like that? Four or five? Uh, uh, yeah, I believe it's four. And uh, given his his inactivity, and it's understandable that people it would raise some eyebrows. It, I mean, it raised some eyebrows among us when we were putting the list together. Uh, but but uh, what have you heard about our decision to have Brock so high? I haven't really heard a lot. I mean, and maybe I'm in a bubble. Maybe I, um, you know, I'm the uh, minority on this. But I haven't heard a lot of criticism about it. Um, I've read a little bit online. But the fact is, for the past year, Brock Lesnar has been positioned as an unbeatable monster. Yeah. He's beaten everyone. He's beaten AJ Styles. I mean, he's beaten Roman Reigns. So, I mean, like, you, you have to, uh, if, if WWE's narrative is that this guy is unbeatable, then why should he not be in the top five? Yeah. Um, if he had been more active, then number one could have been a possibility. He just barely met the uh, criteria, so he's in, but he didn't get the top spot. And I think that number four is a, a very fair ranking for him. Yeah, and, and I think we thought that, that it might be the last time we'd see him in uh, the 500, and sure enough, there he was um, on Sunday night and Hell in the Cell, and looks like yet another comeback. Who knows how long this one will last, if it's just a match or a couple matches, but I imagine as long as the, the paychecks uh, keep coming, and the word is that this paycheck uh, for doing this next Saudi show 
uh, is going to be a pretty big one. So, um, you know, Brock goes to the money, and, and him getting into his 40s now, good for him. I, I think he's smart to do it. Uh, but if you want to read about our decision to uh, rank him where we did, or uh, Kenny Omega, or 498 other people, uh, what you want to do is go to pwi-online.com and pick up the PWI 500. Uh, you can uh, download it right there and have it immediately on your uh, mobile device or your desktop or your laptop. And uh, it's really customized for, for a mobile experience um, with a lot of uh, clickable videos, things like that. Uh, and you don't have to wait. You can, you can be reading it uh, right now. Or um, if you want the print edition, and we certainly understand that. That's our bread and butter. Uh, you can uh, order that too. Uh, the one issue, you can subscribe, whatever you like. The longer you subscribe, the deeper the savings. And again, the thing to do is to go to pwi-online.com. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it, we call it a collector's edition. And, and if there ever is a collector's edition, it is certainly the PWI uh, 500. It's the kind of thing you could go back to for years and years and years. It's our 28th edition, I believe. Um, so, uh, and they're all fun to go to. I mean, I love picking up like a 1994 PWI 500 and, and reading through it. It's a lot of fun. The format's changed a whole lot since... Uh, have you seen like the original 500 recently it was um uh kind of like a a centerfold it was only a handful of pages the first one and and the write-ups were really really small uh so it's really incredible what's become of it yeah and that's one thing that uh that i think a lot of people might overlook is that the the 500 it does include write-ups on everybody and you know it's height weight years pro where they were last year and in the write-ups, we tend to talk about what titles they won, finishing moves, notable things. I mean, it's not we just squeeze a some list, jokes in there, list. too. Some oh, yeah, jokes and, and some jabs. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, the thing is, you have to. If you're writing these, these bios, you don't want 500 bios to, to be repetitive. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be, uh, he, he works in combat zone, his finishing move is the burning hammer, and he, whatever. You know, and it can you be know. a chore uh, year in, year out, especially when the, the ones that I got to do, um, and they usually land on me because they're, they're in that top 50, uh, that I kind of dread every year are Nick and Matt Jackson, <laughs> because it's like, all right, how oh, yeah. many times, you know, this guy's a little older, this guy's got the dark hair, this, you know, and, and you got to find something that distinguishes one from the other. It's it's the Usos, too. Yeah, yes. we have that with the Usos, and then I think it was uh, uh, Bully Ray, Bubba Ray, and, and, and Devon, and I, I think Devon complained one year, how come I'm always ranked behind Bubba Ray, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, the thing is, like, when you're ranking a tag team, you know, it's like, well, do you look at the guy who gets the pins? Do you look at the guy who, you know, for, in wrestling language, the guy who takes the heat? So the other guy who comes in with the hot tag, does that guy get a higher yeah. ranking? I mean, th- these are all things we kind of consider as, as we put this together. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's more than just a list. It's not just 500 names. It's uh, a, a complete write-up on, on everybody. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, there's a lot to it. And I got to say, this is how many now? This is my 12th uh, PWI 500, I think. Uh, I uh, Again, understanding that it's always going to create some, some controversy, some conversation. I think this is about as uh, well-received a PWI 500 as uh, I can remember. Um, the, the feedback's been good, and, and that's a good feeling. It's rewarding to uh, know that you put something out there that generally speaking, uh, is pretty well received. When I was on Busted Open, it was with uh, uh, Bully Ray hosting, and, and you know, if 
Bully Ray doesn't like something, he'll be the first to tell you. And uh, oh yeah, you know, yeah. so he's got the tone of his voice. And even through through the phone, I'm I'm a little intimidated. But um, you know, it sounds like he didn't have uh, that many qualms either. So uh, that's all good. Uh, anyway, again, the thing to do is go to pwi-online.com uh, and pick it up there. Uh, please also follow us on Twitter at official pwi. Had fun uh, live tweeting. Hell in a cell as always um, on Sunday nights. And uh, send us an email here, uh, podcast at outlook.com. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and uh, leave us a positive review. We really appreciate it. Um, this is episode 101, and uh, let's get on with it. Uh, let's, I guess, start with, with current events uh, first. You know, I don't think there's a ton to talk about out of Hell in the Cell. I thought it was uh, basically a pretty good show until the main event, which I thought uh stunk you know and and i think other people liked it a lot more than i did um but i thought it was you know you you begin with the fact that this is pro wrestling and as pro wrestling it's going to be uh somewhat contrived so contrived is kind of a difficult adjective sometimes to attach to pro wrestling but this felt felt especially contrived i mean um a lot of the spots and then the 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 run in with the other guys who uh, climb on the top of the roof, and while they're doing that, Braun and uh, uh, Roman basically just take ten minutes off and just sit around. Um, and and then the finish with Brock ripping the the cage off, and uh, 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 the the no contest. I don't know. I mean, it just it was like did did somebody hire Vince Russo back and and not tell anybody? Because uh, that's that's kind of what it felt like. And uh, to me, it just uh, and there was a lot to like on on the show. Otherwise, including um, the earlier Hell in the Cell with Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy, which I thought they did some some good creative stuff in there. Uh, but it you know, in, in as much as uh, uh, pay per views are are made or broken on main events, I think um, that match took what was otherwise a pretty solid show, and to me, made uh, made it kind of a thumbs down show because uh, it just left such a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I I don't I don't think the show was a thumbs up show going into the main event. I thought it was a, a lackluster, mediocre, middling Monday Night Raw show to begin with. Uh, the main event though was it, it's very typical. It's been the smoke and mirrors main event that that WWE has done for a long time. It's in my opinion, it's the Triple H main event. Every main event that I can think of with Triple H having done or every Triple H match over the past decade has been the smoke and mirrors match where, okay, we're in hell in the cell and other people interfere and they take the big bumps and this happens and this happens and that's crazy. All this stuff happening outside the ring and it, it just, it's, it's for moments rather than the, the, the match itself. And the match itself was awful. Roman Reigns and, and Braun Strowman, it was an awful match. And they brought out the Shield and they brought out Drew uh, and, and McIntyre and they brought out Dolph to take some crazy bumps and fight on top of the cage while the two contestants laid there in the ring for 12 minutes or so just can, doing Can you nothing. imagine? I mean, I, I, to me, that was really the worst part of, uh, of it all. And, and I, I mean... Can't you just like grab them in a chin lock? Almost anything would have been better. But the fact that they were yeah. selling some moves 
so if those guys weren't on top of the cage, what would fans have been watching then, theoretically? It's just those guys sitting around for all that time? And and yeah, so it, what, what it means is that, that they took a break in the middle of the match so everybody could have watched the other show that was going on. And uh, I thought it was really well, sloppy. Just like Roman Reigns, when he won that Royal Rumble a couple of years back, when he was eliminated and then came back out at the end, took his 45-minute break and then yeah. came back out for the finish and everything else. It's it's just it's smoke and mirrors. It's it's just the fact that they have WWE has no confidence that the guys that they've chosen to be their top guys can perform at that top level. So what they need to do is bring out a bunch of workhorses who can go out there and take the yeah. bumps and deliver the thrills and cover for the fact that these two guys cannot do the job. They can't do it. Now Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar is is it. it I'm sorry, Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman is, is a mediocre match at best. But put it in Hell in the Cell, make it the, the entire hype that, okay, no one can interfere. All right, this is the blow-off to the feud. We're finally going to have a clean winner. No. In comes Brock Lesnar. They, they make it a no contest in Hell in a Cell. The whole point of Hell in a Cell is the match that can potentially end a career. It right. changes lives. It is the absolute end of the line for a few this is you can't go any further no no it was and, wh- and what is it that no brock did match. what is it that brock did that he was kicked so in the door dangerous. like robocop in yeah. capital and, combat and 1989 like balsa would you know i mean why, why yes. would why would the ref have to stop it after that i mean it, it wasn't even anything particularly devastating that he did to them no it, it was ridiculous it, it was a pay-per-view now admittedly a wwe network pay-per-view which is only 9.99 so you, you really can't complain too much but in the previous era this is an event that you charge 39 49 whatever it is for for the show and here it is in the blow off the hell in the cell the match that can change careers that mick foley is back into yeah. and mick foley's never recovered from his hell in the cell moment and all it is is a it's a Dan commercial for the Saudi Arabia yeah. event. And now we're going to do a, a three-way match. And not only that, here's Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, who now, I love Brock Lesnar. I think he's a great performer. I think he's a great competitor. He's a part-time wrestler. Mm-hmm. Lesnar came into that ring wearing a t-shirt, which mm-hmm. he never does, <laughs> a month away from SummerSlam. And he had to have dropped 30 pounds? I mean, you don't yeah. drop that. I know he's trying to drop weight to get down to the UFC fighting weight and everything else, but it's, it's very obvious that Brock Lesnar, it wasn't the same guy. It was just, which, which again makes everything look terrible. Here's Brock Lesnar who comes in, he gets special treatment, and and you can just see he's, he's on a different plane and is treated from everyone else on the roster. And the main event of this pay-per-view that people have tuned into and watched for three and a half, four hours, is just a tease for another event. Yeah. And it's really insulting. It's, it's a terrible thing if you're a fan. And, and I am a fan, as much as I complain. I'm a fan. If I'm investing that much time and effort into watching a pay-per-view and watching a show, and all it is is just, hey, none of this really matters. The only thing that really happened of note is... Becky Lynch uh, won the the SmackDown Women's Title. Why why bother watching it again? 
why why tune in? Why why invest that kind of time and, and effort and money? Yeah. And uh, WWE is just really kind of going to a well once too often with this, and it's uh, a bad luck. Yeah, I mean, you, you say smoke and mirrors, and, and which is a, a a reference to magic, right? How magic is done. But the thing about smoke and mirrors is that you're not supposed to see, see them, right? And, and and I think that's the problem with this match is that it, it exposed a, a, a lot of things. I mean, you mentioned McFoley being in it. I, I had forgotten about that. That's how, how much was going on in this match. And right, I mean, it was just kind of one reminder after the other, you know, Brock coming out and looking a little odd and and uh, uh, Seth and, and Drew being called upon to take that that dive, which, um, as you said, I, I mean, what it triggers uh, in the in the, the the minds of fans right away is like, OK, I guess, you know, they couldn't get uh, a Braun and, and uh, Roman to do that. And so too many times there are these little things that are just kind of pulling you out of the match, whether or, or them selling for seven, eight minutes, whatever it was. Um, you know, it, it that, that's the thing about, you know, uh, uh, earlier in the night, the, the other uh, Hell in a Cell match with with Randy uh, and Jeff. Um, I, I remember tweeting about this. There, there was a spot in there that I loved, which uh, was so cringeworthy. It was the screwdriver spot, right, where uh, he took right. the, the screwdriver and, and put it in Jeff's ear and twisted it up. And uh, I was watching it with my wife and kids, and everybody was cringing, right? As as I imagine, a lot of people in the building are watching uh, on TV. Uh, it's like you're you're looking through your your fingers, covering your eyes, because it was uh, so cringe-inducing. But that's wrestling at its best, in that it was the illusion of something. Um, I imagine they went over that lots of times, figured out how many times you know you can twist that thing around. Um, and and it doesn't hurt. It's not particularly dangerous, uh, anything like that. But it it, it drew a, a, a great uh, reaction. Um, as did the finish with Jeff coming off. Uh, I didn't love it, but but uh, it was fine. But it was like two totally different ways of of telling um, sort of the same story of of Hell in a Cell. Uh, so you know, Jeff goes through the table, is like killed, knocked out. The ref is concerned and counts the pin uh, anyway. Uh, later in the night. Uh, you know, a lot less devastation, and somehow the, the match has to be called off. So um, uh, this all leads, well, to a couple things. There, there's, um, uh, they've got this super showdown coming up uh, in, in a couple of weeks in Australia. Uh, they just announced another Saudi uh, Arabia show, Crown Jewel. And uh, some of what we saw there, including the, the triple threat for the Universal title and Brock's return is going to play out uh, apparently in, in this Saudi show. But I think the big news about those two shows coming up are uh, how much they seem to be focused on these, you know, we'll call them what you want to, legends, old timers, uh, what have you. But, but the centerpiece of at least one of those shows and potentially both of them uh, look to be Triple H, uh, the Undertaker, Shawn Michaels of all people, and now even Kane uh, in the mix um, in the corner of The Undertaker. And the talk is that this leads to uh, potentially a tag team match in Saudi Arabia. That would be Shawn Michaels' return match, his first match in, in eight years. Um, w- what do you make of all this? Is is it just good use of uh, uh, four guys who, who can still go, who even in their age uh, still have something left in the tank and certainly have a lot of name value and marquee value. It's not Yokozuna, who I know is their, their for, first choice to headline <laughs> a show, but, uh, you know, getting Shawn Michaels back in the ring, I'm sure is going to be a, a big thrill. 
uh, for them. So again, wh- where do you stand on it? Are, are you okay with them going um, to the well here with, with uh, these four guys? Or does it kind of rub you the wrong way that uh, once again, they're kind of leaning on their old timers? No, absolutely not. I'm, I'm absolutely not okay with it. It's Shawn Michaels lost a retirement match and he retired. And, and that was something that WWE sold to us and sold to their audience. This is the end of the line. This is Shawn Michaels retiring and that's the end of the road. They, they hinted, not even hinted. I mean, I'll but beat you over the head with it with the undertaker. Although they brought him back again for the John Cena match and everything else. But it's just a matter of, Hey, yeah, everything we did up to, up to now, everything that we played your emotions, that we, 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 we got you to pay for all these moments that were magical and meant something. Nah, forget that. Let's get a big payout with some Saudi sheiks and, and, and do the show. It's, it's uh, manipulative, it's crass, it's terrible, and it, it's outside of canon, you know, if you want to say that, if you're kind of a, a whatever, a, a genre nerd or something along those lines. Like, I understand WWE wanting to do the show for the big money audience. Fine, all right, do it. Like, do a, a spot show, a house, house show somewhere else. But if you expect your fan base, to believe in the stories that you're telling and to buy into that and to really believe in that. And you say, this is a retirement match. This is a hell in a cell match where it's the end of the line. This is this match. These are the stipulations. And then the next show or, or shortly down the road, you completely pave over that. Well, what's the point? Why, why should your fan base continue to follow that? It's, it's a crass payout. It's, it's, it's really, upsetting to me as, as a fan and uh, I, I don't like it. I don't like the trend that WWE is on. I think it's really kind of just ignoring their audience for the bottom line. And uh, I think it's a foolish path to go down. I, I'm uh, less down on it than you are. Um, at, at, at least I'm sort of giving them benefit of the doubt to some extent now. We'll see how uh, it plays out. If this is, uh, in fact, Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement, um, I'm I'm yeah, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I mean, certainly part of me is uh, uneasy about it. That said, Sean, um, I I believe was never hard and fast that he'd never come out of uh, retirement. I think he talked about you know there was never anything that really uh, piqued his interest enough to to make him entertain that. Um, I imagine a, a seven-figure payday for, for one match, uh, potentially a tag team match uh, in Saudi Arabia. It might be that thing. And, I mean, it's hard to begrudge a guy uh, in, in his 50s uh, who, you know, ha- having read some of his books, uh, at, at times has made some unwise financial decisions. Uh, it's hard to begrudge him an opportunity to make that kind of payday. Uh, but... Certainly, and and absolutely, I would not be down on Sean coming out of uh, retirement under the the right circumstances. If you're telling me, you know, WrestleMania, which is going to be here in New York next year, he's going to come out to wrestle Daniel Bryan or or AJ Styles or Nakamura, yeah, I am all in, uh, uh, absolutely. No, something something that would help somebody else, something that would help the company, that would that would give the the rub to somebody else, but. Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement in Saudi Arabia yeah. in a match against Kane and the Undertaker is not helping anyone. Now, imagine... It's uh, helping Sean, Sean and his family. 
uh, you know, well, maybe right. be able to buy a nice exactly. car. Exactly. That's, that's Game of Thrones. You're, you're a fan of the Game of Thrones books or the TV series, and everybody loved Ned Stark. And you know, spoiler alert: he he gets beheaded, like he he gets betrayed, and he he dies early on. But he's he's a fan favorite. Everybody loves him. So say six books in, or seven, eight series in or seasons in on HBO, they just said, hey, you know, we killed off Ned Stark early on. It was a really dramatic moment that we pinned this whole series on. Let's, uh, let's pretend that never happened. Let's bring him back and let's just do this. If, if Game of Thrones did that, if the books did it, the TV show did it, well, people would stop reading it because why, why are we invested? And WWE is doing the exact same thing. I know it's money. I know it's money for Sean. I know it's money for the company. But if the storylines don't mean anything, then there's no reason for us to watch. But it's been eight years. This isn't like uh, Mick Foley back in 2000 who retired uh, in in February and came out of retirement in March. Um, Eight years, I I think, is plenty long. So I, I don't begrudge him so much on going back on, on that stipulation. I think it was a bigger issue with The Undertaker, as you touched on, um, uh, retiring ostensibly at WrestleMania last year and then coming back uh, this year or now being as active as he's been in, in a long time. In their defense, they never said he was retired. I mean, they certainly all but said it. Um, so, so it's a little disingenuous for them to kind of, you know, hang it on that, that, well, we never said it. Um, but you know, I, I, I think one of the, the, the kind of the big picture, um, of all this is the complications that are arising from, um, these international shows. And I say shows because they've got this Australia one coming up too, but, but, um, I have less of a problem, uh, with that. Even the Undertaker Triple H match, if that's what it was, and even with Sean and Kane, in their corners, if if that's as much as they do with this, and and that's it, and then after that show, they all go back to doing their their own thing. I'm totally okay with it. Um, in in you could even argue it is the right use of those guys because it it's sort of like you know I call them old timers, but it but it's sort of like an old timers day. And you know, as growing up a Yankee fan, that was like one of the highlights of the years when you'd see like all the all the guys who you grew up watching. Um, come out and and have their little uh, scrimmage game, but it's not like they were playing in in the real game. So sort of like if you're gonna have Triple H and Undertaker, rather than deal with the the complications and the politics of you know uh, squashing a, a young guy who's coming up and and hurting him or or all those politics. You could just do them in their own universe and whatever. Undertaker can pin Triple H or Triple H can pin the Undertaker or whatever, um, the the thought of Sean coming back really uh, complicates things a lot because it's such a big deal, and I have less of a problem with them doing it than I do them doing it in Saudi Arabia in a show that otherwise isn't even on WWE's calendar. Um, the last Saudi Arabia show having left, uh, and maybe not everybody feels this way, but, but certainly... It left a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, there was just a lot of that. You know, again, after watching that show, I just, you, you want to take a shower. It was such a kind of gross feeling of, of a company that was completely bought and paid for by uh, a, a government, uh, a regime that I don't know the WWE should be associating with, um, especially after that commercial where they they apologize for the, the tasteless 
images that WWE put out, which is just showing uh, women wrestlers. And then they, th- you know, some of this comes back uh, uh, again here because this show comes, I think, f- within a week of the all women's pay-per-view, um, which they are so happy to pat themselves on the back about. But a few days later, they're going to run this big show where, where these people are going to be making seven-figure paydays. Lots of them are going to be, and no women will be on that. Um, I assume. Oh, yeah. So hey, hey, great job, ladies. We're really proud of you. Now just stay home as we go and make the real money over in Saudi yeah. Arabia. Yeah, it's 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 terrible. It's, two, it's, two it's gender, really a, a pretty uh, two gender exclusive pay per views in in one week. The, yeah, the women it, it, it's, later than it's really kind of a a disgusting promotional tactic. It it really is. Uh, anyway, uh, going back a, a little bit further, uh, again, I feel like to some extent there's a little bit of old news, but it's such a big show, and, and we haven't talked since then. Uh, we'd be remiss if we we didn't address uh, All In. I, what I've said and, and what I'll say uh, about the show is that I, I think it was a complete success in terms of what it was um, looking to accomplish, and I think it was uh, a really fun show and a very good show, but I also think there was... Um, a, a lot of real issues, uh, problems might be overstating. I mean, there, there were some logistical problems in terms of the main event having to cut short and some timing problems. <clears throat> but w- what what I'll say is that uh, in as much as there was discussion about this show being the show that uh, won over some some fans, that, that this show was meant to be kind of the F you to WWE and to uh, to to expose fans to a kind of wrestling that they don't see in WWE and uh, an alternative. I don't know that it was a complete success because I think uh, there were a lot of things on the show that reinforced um, some some bad stereotypes of independent wrestling. And if you were a hardcore WWE fan watching All In and thinking, well, what I'm going to see is a bunch of guys doing high spots and, and flips, and and you got that. That's all the main event was. And granted, it, it should have been longer than it was, but that main event was just the spot fest through and through. And I don't yeah, think it was, it was mercifully cut short because it was it was pretty terrible for what it was. I don't opinion. think it was terrible, I mean, but I think uh, it was another fifteen minutes of that was was just overkill. Just, yeah, yeah. But I I don't think it was terrible. I think what it was was fine. But I think if you again if you go in with the perception that independent wrestling is just a bunch of little guys doing flips, and I don't think that's what it is. But if that's what you see main eventing the show, it just reinforces that perception. And on, on top of that. Um, the other thing that I thought uh, was, was a real issue is there was a lot of issues with with tone, um, and well, for for one thing, let's talk about your buddy Joey Ryan. Um, you know, <laughs> WWE gets uh, a lot of flack. I remember uh, live tweeting this. Uh, WWE gets a lot of flack for a lot of flack for a lot of the, the comedy and kind of silly angles they do and stuff that really kind of breaks the fourth wall. Um, I thought. WWE came out looking good compared to some of the stuff that was going on uh, on on All In, right? And then I was thinking, like, oh my god, if WWE tried something half as silly as the forget about all the the, the finish of that match and uh, uh, the the uh, uh, the parade of of characters that came out uh, at the end of the match, the whole idea that the storyline was that. Um, 
Joey Ryan was killed and then he's like resurrected. I know that the fans who watch uh, Being Delete every week, they'll say, yeah, but it's tongue in cheek. We all get it. That doesn't fly, you know, not not completely. And also not on the same show where a match or two earlier, you had pro wrestling uh, presented as serious sport and really well. And to me, the, the, the highlight of All In was Cody and Nick Aldis, which I thought was just fantastic. One of my favorite which, matches which of the year. Which should have been the main event. It should that have. Should I'm have glad it wasn't because show. I wouldn't want them to have been uh, cut that short. So I think it worked out that they were didn't have to worry about time. They were able to put on the match that, that they wanted. And I thought the presentation was a pitch-perfect presentation of pro wrestling. And I don't know if you saw some of the, the build-up to it. And these were the videos that are, I think were produced by, by uh, Billy Corgan. The, what Dave Lewis. The, Dave yeah, and the, Billy the 10 Corgan, pounds yeah. of goal. But I mean, it was like a, a buildup to a UFC show. I mean, they showed these guys their training regimens and, and all that. And it was so well done. And the the emotional climax of that match, I just thought fantastic. You know, again, if they if they did end the show there, it would have been a home run. A match or two later, you had uh, Joey Ryan coming back to life, a, a parade of phalluses. And then it was, that wasn't even the end of it. And then they had... Um, uh, Jay Lethal doing where he'd be tapped and he'd be uh, Black Machismo and then he was, I mean, go, going back and forth. Again, more tongue-in-cheek. And I like the show. I mean, to some extent, this is nitpicking because I, I thought it was a really good show and a huge achievement for these guys. But um, you know the term indie-rific, which carries a, a negative connotation? I think there were a lot of things on this show that came off as indie-rific. And um, again, I, I don't know that... Th- I th- I think they super served the audience that they had and those and there's certainly lots of them they filled up that place 10,000 plus I don't know how much that show did to grow that audience. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I I agree. I I thought the Cody Nick Aldis match was very good. It it wasn't a five-star classic no. in, in terms of a match, but it had emotion. It, it had the NWA title on the line. It, it had the gravitas and the build-up and, and everything else that, that made it work. Um, the Joy Ryan thing was fun. It was indie. It was goofy and a, a little, a lot dumb. But he, here's the thing with All In. They got over 10,000 fans, and, and they sold it out, and, and it's the biggest non-WWE or WCW show in the U.S. In, in 20 years, which is fantastic. That's great. They utilize social media. And a lot of people are really praising this, like, wow, this can be turning the corner, maybe uh, competition for WWE, maybe whatever. And it's not. I mean, you can get 20,000 people to go to a Nickelback concert, and that doesn't mean that Nickelback's (laughs) a great band. It means that you found the the 20,000 or the 10,000 or whatever who are willing to go. And and being the the elite, the YouTube show and and Twitter and everything else, it reached out to these people. They wanted to go to this one-off show. It sold out before any matches were announced. It wasn't the strength of the card. It was just people wanting to be part of something special. And and it it did. And I know a lot of people are talking about, wow, the independents are rising, and maybe this will give hope for people who are in WWE or in other contracts. The, the, the freedom to say, you know, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to the Indies like, like Neville or others. And I, I'll walk out. Nobody is making a, a salary from all in people made a nice payday. It's one show. You might've made 
a thousand, two thousand, maybe, maybe two thousand dollars, which which is a nice payout for one show, but certainly not you know enough to live on for the year. It's not changing the industry, but it is something that's noteworthy. In terms of the actual show itself, mediocre. It was an indie-rific show, like you said. And, and my real kind of, you know, my, my judgmental guide, I guess, is are you doing something for the audience that's going to really thrill the audience, or are you doing something to pop the boys in the back? Yes. And for all of that show, it was guys in the ring trying to pop the boys in the back. I think throughout the really Battle Royal, yeah. throughout the main event, throughout everything else. It's like, hey, the guys in the back are going to think this is funny. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. That's not going to – the guys in the back aren't paying your tickets. They're not, they're not buying the tickets. They're not paying your, your payout. It, I know that a, re, a lot of wrestlers like to really kind of get over with the other guys in the back and, and, and really kind of be the most popular guys on the show. But if, if you're a bunch of guys just kind of slap happy and, and trying to please each other and not pleasing the audience or growing the audience where you can actually build on this and make this a, a, a real sustainable thing – it's not worthwhile for a one-off show. It worked. It was lightning in a bottle. It, it was a great opportunity. The NWA title was on the line. Cody was on top. Kenny Omega came in. You had a lot of things go right. Whether or not all in can continue, can be something viable. Who knows? But certainly they didn't leave anything on that show that makes people really yearning for a second show. It's not like they built up any storylines. They didn't have any real angles going on from it. It was one-off. The guys in charge made their money. Everybody had a nice payout. That's great. But in terms of changing the business, in terms of being competition for WWE, in terms of being competition for Impact, no, you're not. Or Ring of Honor, who's got Sinclair Broadcasting and on national TV. This was just one little independent show that a few guys put together and like our gang or the Little Rascals, hey, let's go out and put on the show. You did it. You made your money back. That's it. It's not that big of a deal. I, I thought I was the, the most critical person of the show. You're you're much worse than than I am. I gotta say there were some matches on on the show that were really good. You know, I, I thought um, uh, Omega and and Pentagon was uh, a lot of fun. I thought uh, Okada and Marty Skrull uh, too long, way too long, uh, but very way, very good. Yes. Yeah, but but I think that the the bigger point um, that that I agree with you on is that. Uh, again, I, I think it 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 was um, a showcase of independent wrestling, and um, that was both the good and the bad. So you saw the best of independent wrestling, but then you also saw kind of not the worst of independent wrestling. God knows there's there's any wrestling that that's bad, but a lot of the bad habits uh, that that. Um, you see in, in independent wrestling, and again, one of my big takeaways was it, it made WWE look pretty good in comparison, or at least pretty major league. So one of the big issues we just talked on uh, about that uh, Okada match going way long. I mean, the the the, the story was that it was like. 13, 15 minutes um, over, and it took away the time from the main event. That is as bush league uh, as it gets. That that's not a small deal. I mean, you. And, and you're talking about uh, uh, bringing in Rey Mysterio and, and featuring all these luchadors. They're supposed to be the next big thing. And the young bucks who bankrolled this show and 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 they get their time cut short. And not just because some guys earlier in the, in the crowd, you know, wanted to get all their 
their you know what in you know there's stuff see, in yeah, yeah they're, they're stuffing um and 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 pat and the other part of again time management is there was stuff on the show that didn't need to be on the, on that show and it shows you that that the the infrastructure that exists in wwe you know for all the criticism they get and, and rightfully so you know look at SummerSlam, a show that was really really long but time management wise was one of the best time shows in that some matches were kept really short. Some match, the matches that should have been long were longer. A lot of other matches were in between and got the, the right amount of time. And sometimes WWE doesn't get it right either. But this really felt like, as you said, I mean, it, it was a little bit self-indulgent. And it was like, you know, and, and it, your main event gets cut it's short. The difference between, it's the difference between a show being run by the boys and a show being run by the office. Yes. And the boys want to get all their friends in, get all their stuff in, do all their stuff, and 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 just and just go long. And hey, I'm and on the stage. Get, I can yeah. do this. I this can do is this. The, the product of and, that. Yeah. And the the thing is, is you're running a show. And this is whether it's you mentioned the Young Bucks bankrolling this and everything, and being in the main event, and and Cody was involved, and the, the people involved bankrolling this. You've got referees, you've got people watching the clock, you have people who have, are giving time signals, you have people saying, hey, we have to be off the air at this time, like we have to be on. And, and you have to be giving those signals. And either the people in charge of doing that were not doing that, or the people in the ring just didn't care. Yeah. And they, they ignored it. I think it's and a combination either way, of both. Yeah. That's, that's, in, that's incompetence, it's unprofessional, and it's, it's indie. So, yeah. hey, like, congratulations. You ran a good show, and, and you, you weakened your main event, and, it, okay, good job. I mean, you, you get a, a B minus. You got 10,000 people. No, I give great. them more than a, Once a B Once a year, minus. getting 10,000. No, I, I I'd don't. give them I, I mean, you got 10, a B plus, uh, maybe uh, <laughs> an A minus. Um, because just, just, look, I enjoyed the show, right? I mean, it was a fun whatever it was with, with the pregame on, on WGN. I don't know if the whole thing was maybe four hours, uh, something like that. Lots of fun action, a lot of talent that you don't typically get to see um, on big budget pro wrestling pay-per-view. I mean, it, 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 it was, I think, largely well-produced, and, and I think that's because they um, had use of some real production people, I think Ring of Honor's people uh, helping out um, to some extent. So... Uh, there was on on you know on the balance there was more to like than not like i think uh on the show and i think it was uh an important show a historic show uh very much and when you think in in as much as the story is young bucks and cody rhodes three wrestlers put this whole thing on their shoulders i you know if, if not a home run a solid triple you know they they should totally be proud of, of what they put together. I think Cody in particular, because he was again, a part of the, the highlight of the night for me. Uh, but, but people who are making this out to be uh, the show of all shows and the best show of the year, it's not the best show I've seen in the last month. You know, I, I thought, um, agrees. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought takeover NXT takeover in Brooklyn was much better than this. I, maybe I'm overstating things. It was better than this. I might even say SummerSlam was, was better than this. And, and again, it's hard to compare the two because there's such different, shows uh but in terms of uh, uh accomplishing what what you set out to um and and maybe they state their goals differently as uh, than than i understood them uh but it felt again it felt like you were kind of super serving an audience that you already got 
But, uh, you know, and, and, and speaking from experience, I had a lot of people over uh, to watch the show with me who were not uh, big-time wrestling fans, maybe casual WWE fans, but never saw any of these people. And uh, the hope is, like, you know, you, you, they get to see Okada, these people who I talk about, uh, and, and Kenny Omega, and um, I don't think any of them were, were won over. I mean, I don't think there's anything here. No, that nobody... Yeah. Nobody got that spotlight to really shine. There was no match of the year. There was no and no real one takeaway other than Cody winning the title, which is emotional, but it, it wasn't a great match. Um, but I, I've been reading the uh, Tim Horndaker book, the new book that's just come out, The, the Death of the Territories, that I'll be reviewing in, in an upcoming PWI. Um, and it goes through throughout the 80s, well, the 80s, early 80s, coming up to 85, 86, 87, uh, as all the territories were really fighting with McMahon and, and WWF was expanding and it was going through, you know, Hey, on, on this day in Florida, um, this promotion ran, you know, championship wrestling from Florida and, and WWF ran the next week and they got 3,200 fans and the WWF got 1400 fans and this and this, and, and you, you really look at it in historical context and think, wow, you know, 10,000 fans, is, it's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, there, there were very big events from Pro Wrestling USA, which is like the joint NWA-AWA uh, promotion throughout 85-86, and the WWF, even during those, those WrestleMania rock and wrestling days, that didn't draw that. I mean, it, it's, 10,000 is, is very significant, historically yeah. speaking. But it's a one-off show, and if nothing comes from it, then it's just a one-off show. Uh, and, and that's why, again, I, I'm very against calling this, you know, such a, you know, kind of uh, um, breakwater, this t high tide kind of moment yeah. of, of the Indies rising up. Um, it was a good show. It, it made a profit, and, and everybody else, you know, Cody and the Young Bucks deserve credit for that. Not a great show, not the most memorable show, but they all made money off of it, and let's see where it goes from here. But it, it's not the, the you know, the, the, the hallmark success that some are touting it as being. Yeah. I think the one thing that, that you can say that it, it had uh, a hand in, and it's something that it already led to or contributed to, and, and we'll see what becomes of this, is the Madison Square Garden show. I, I don't know that the MSG show happens without the, the success of All In, because I don't know that Ring of Honor um, would have taken that gamble that they could fill a building um, like Madison Square Garden until they saw that, you know, these three guys, basically, Cody and the Young Bucks, with access to less talent than, than they would have worked with New Japan, were able to fill a, a 10,000-seat arena. So... Uh, maybe it, it does put some wind in the sails of, of independent promoters, maybe um, encourage them to go out there and take some big risks. And that's all good. I do think it's an important show and a show that's going to change a lot about the industry. Um, I, I actually think that's the, the best thing about it. I think as a, uh, a influential, important show, it was a success. I think as, a, as an entertaining show, as, as a, a wrestling show, uh, a little less so. Not not that it, it wasn't good, but I've seen better. Um, so, anyhow, uh, we've already been talking here for an hour, uh, and, and we want to go to this interview. One one of the names that we've, we've come up a lot, and, and certainly, again, one of uh, the more controversial figures coming out of uh, All In. Uh, why don't I, I let you uh, throw us to it? 
I like that you said come up a lot. I, I don't know if there's a pun in there somewhere, <laughs> but I don't want to get into that. I, I'll just leave that into this. But uh, no, it's a little talk uh, with Joey Ryan uh, and uh, had some interesting things to say. So uh, let's kick it to it. All right, Joey Ryan, thank you very much. Welcome to the PWI Podcast. It's nice to uh, have a chance to talk to you, man. How are you feeling tonight? Doing well. How are you? Doing well, doing well. You had a great match against Puff today for Empire State Wrestling in Buffalo, New York. I, I dare say great, but it well, was fun. It was, it was the main event. It, it was, was very, the main event. It was a good match. It definitely went on last. <laughs> it was. That's undeniable. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit um, because I'm really impressed with the road you've taken over the past few years. Um, really having the success that you've had outside of the mainstream, on the independent level. Uh, you've kind of cultivated this role, this niche for yourself, where you've made it, and you've made a name for yourself and a livelihood without WWE, without Impact, without New Japan. Really, is that a blueprint that anyone can follow, or, or do the stars just kind of align a certain way for you to kind of get to where you did? A little bit of both. Um, you know, I de- definitely... Uh, the advent and the uh, the blow up of social media helped me a lot. Uh, you know, I had I was fortunate enough to have a couple of videos that went viral, uh, which really helped get my name out there. And uh, that's definitely a tool that a lot of guys can use because social media is so readily available to everybody. And it's, you know, people that aren't on TV and, 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 and can use it to get exposure. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's definitely here to stay. So it's just um, finding the right opportunities and capitalizing on them. Uh, within within that means to get your name out there, uh, it's definitely something that everybody can do to, to to help build their name. But there's pitfalls with that too, right? Like I mean, because nobody's really well. You might be the first person, you and the Young Bucks and a couple others, but laying out a blueprint for how to use social media. Like when you did this this kind of road that you've taken to go viral, and whether that was by design or just happenstance, nobody set out a path for you to follow. It just kind of happened. Um, do you think that now it's easier for somebody to kind of go viral, or is the bar a little bit higher, higher to you know really connect with people on social media? A uh, little bit of both. I mean, you're right. There really isn't a blueprint because it's, it's all just like a lot of it's timing, and a lot of it is just uh, I guess a little bit of luck. But uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I think you know there's a lot of wrestling out there, and wrestling's hot right now, and 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 you know people so many companies are live streaming their shows now and so many there's you know everything's gifable now and everything is uh uh you know everything is so instant like you see shows like the show we we had tonight in you know upstate new york people back at home in southern california can see pictures from immediately as the show's happening or they can watch the live stream and yeah, see it, streaming and see it immediately um so there's a lot of competition with with wrestling um and, and i feel like it's only getting bigger on social media but um, just like anything, just like anything else, or any other time in wrestling, like the true, the true talents will stand out. So now, anyone wants to go up to the next level. Everybody wants to get to wherever the next level may be, whether it's WWE or New Japan or whatever. But are you at this stage of your career because you are experiencing so much success on the independent level and, and kind of making your own rules with social media and things? Are, are you just kind of this is where you want to be, or do you have a next step, or are you just kind of planning it, you know, as as things go? Um, yeah, it's 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 different because I definitely you know feeling it out and just seeing seeing where, where the next door opens, so to speak. Um, you know, I used to have aspirations where you know I felt like I wouldn't really make it unless I made it to WWE. Uh, it, it's only kind of when I when I released that ambition or when I I don't want to say gave up on my goal, but when I when I didn't prioritize that as as a final 
uh, stop that I really just started having fun and then having fun with wrestling is what led to the putting myself in a position to get those matches that will go viral or that will be different or or you know do stuff that isn't like I'm not worried about them seeing you know if I'm trying to get a job there so that's when wrestling really started booming for me is when I kind of gave up on that um, so uh, so yeah and, and things are going well for me I mean I just bought a house in LA um, you know and uh, and that wouldn't have been possible even five years ago no. uh, much less ten years ago in, in independent wrestling um, and so, you know, I just, I, you know, at this point in my life, if I were to go, let's say I did sign with NXT and went down to, to Florida, not only would I have to move um, to Florida, but I would actually be taking a pay cut to, because the starting rate isn't, uh, isn't as high as what I'm doing, what, what I'm making right now. Right. It'd be kind of a hefty pay cut too. Um, so it would just be whether, whether or not like I'm a mark for wrestling at WrestleMania, which I might be, you know, I think I, I didn't, I got into wrestling because I wanted, I, you know, I wanted to be at WrestleMania. So I might still have a little bit of mark to be at WrestleMania in me, but it's not necessarily prioritized anymore. Okay. So now, for example, um, the first time we met, it was briefly, but it was at the Impact Zone. You were in uh, TNA at the time, yeah. and uh, I had come in, I was going to give an award to Gail Kim for the female 50 and everything, and uh, as I was walking around trying to be polite and shake hands, you happened to be talking to Dixie Carter ringside, and I came by and, oh, I hate to interrupt, I'm Dan, you know, she knew I was coming down. And uh, I remember at the time, you, you were trying to talk to Dixie. And it didn't seem, like, you seemed frustrated. And I don't know about that specific conversation, but what I remember is I saw you a little while later, and I had mentioned, like, oh, I, I interrupted your conversation with Dixie, and he said something like, ah, there weren't too many of those. Or, like, along the lines of, like, it's not like I had a lot of sway with creative kind of thing. My point of being on that isn't so much you, you and Dixie per se, but it, at various times in Impact, TNA had you. They had the Young Bucks. They had CM Punk at different times. Guys who've gone on to just do so well on their own, and the company was never able to utilize you guys. Um, how did it feel being there as a creative guy and trying to go to whoever it was, Dixie or whoever it may be that you would talk to, and feel like you had more to offer, and other guys did too, and just not have it come to fruition? Um, yeah, you know, like with any company and any uh, in any job in the world, there's you know there's there's I don't want to say politics, but there's tiers of, of position, and you know, and there's ways to sway yourself into positions, and there's ways to earn yourself into position. Um, I felt like I had uh, more to offer for sure, but uh, you know, it, there's only so much. And I had, the, I had the right people pushing for me. I, Eric Bischoff liked me, Hulk Hogan liked me, and they're obviously mm -hmm. in Dixie's ear, and you know, and I and I don't know what I was trying to think. I actually. I actually like Dixie a lot and, and had a lot of pleasant conversations with her. Um, there, like what you were saying is there, there wasn't too many times where I was trying to, to get an idea over. Um, but a lot of, again, a lot of my ideas are outside the box and, and, and you know, they're a little bit iffy for someone like maybe on national television that a little bit worried about. Not, not that I was trying to dick flip anyone on TNA. But, right. Um, like I definitely push the envelope and I definitely, I definitely feel like uh, the Attitude Era is my inspiration, so I like to do that. So, uh, so I can see where my ideas would be a little, get a little bit of a pushback. 
Um, but I still feel like there were good ideas and quality ideas that could, could get exposure for me and the company. Um, so, you know, it was, just, it was just getting the right people to believe in me. Um, and, you know, I didn't have a lot of tenure there. I was only there for about a year. So a lot of people didn't know me outside of that year I was in TNA. So it was just, you know, it was just timing. Another thing, maybe if I, if I had been able to stay there a couple more years, two or three more years, uh, they, would have, they would have trusted my ideas a little more than they did right off the bat. Okay. Now, say again, talking about WWE or NXT or anything along those lines, if you were to kind of decide to go down that road, what's the concern? Because your, your character is so established on the independents and everything right now. Um, and if you get there, you know, WWE wants to do things the WWE way. Are, are you married to the King of Sleaze? Are you married to what you are? Or could you say, all right, I'll tone it down. I won't do the dong style. I won't do this. Or is that your calling card? And, you know, I mean, what's the creatively, what's the pay reward for uh, considering something like WWE given the political climate of a company like WWE? Um... Well, it's, it, you know, obviously I've changed my character over the years uh, and I've added stuff and I've taken stuff away. And what I do in the ring now, it's, it's obviously more shocking than the normal pro wrestling match, but it still follows the same pattern of, of what a pro wrestling match is. You know, I'm just, instead of going for the pedigree or whatever, I'm going for a dick flip. Uh, but it still follows the same format. So the, the the wrestling is there, the body language is there, the the ability to get over is the there. The build to it too. You know, it's, yeah, it's the not build, you're hitting it right build, away. Yeah. Yeah, the tease and take away, all that is just pro wrestling one on one. Um, I just obviously do it with a more shock value. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean I actually feel like if I were to go to somewhere, even if it's back on impact or or you know, I am on Lucha Underground right now, um, and I don't do the dick stuff at Lucha Underground. Um, you know, or if I were to go to NXT, I think like those companies and Lucha Underground does it too. They do it now. Uh, they kind of relish in the, in the fact that they can make their own version of me, which you know a, lo a lot of guys. You know, it used to be for years WWE would bring guys in and change their name and change their look and, and try to get them over because WWE wanted them to be WWE branded. They wanted that was our idea. That's what got over. That's what's making money. But now they're a little more open to guys coming in with their own characters and their own styles. Um, but I still feel like part of them still wants to be responsible for success. So I feel like me coming in, they know they know I know how to make money, they know I'm I'm I know how to wrestle and I know how to, to present be a presenter and an entertainer. But I feel like I would almost be like a, a, a blank slate that you know, blank canvas that they could paint any way they want. So I feel like so you could that do would that? be yeah. Like you think if they were like, Hey, you're gonna come in and here's here, your new gimmick is you're gonna be the beekeeper, whatever, right? Something complete and I mean would you you think that you'd be able to say, I, I have the creativity to reinvent myself and be this or or it's just like this is what I found that people like and, and I, I hit, you know, lightning in a bottle with this. Yeah, I mean there's a little bit of that. I mean it would be different for sure, uh, but I feel like um, you know, I would be able to give it my best, and you, you never, wrestling's so subjective, you never know what's gonna get over. You know, I could come out as the beekeeper one one time, and it could be the most insane, I could sell a million beekeeper shirts the next day. Um, you know, you never know what's gonna catch, what the wrestling audience is gonna gear toward. That's what makes wrestling so exciting, is you don't, you don't know what tomorrow holds with the wrestling audience. You don't know what yes chance gonna get over. You don't know what, you know, you don't know how they're gonna go, and, and, and that's, that's actually a more modern thing too with social media is that the fans are more uh, accessible to each other. So, you know, before when it was more whatever the promotion wanted or whatever, you know, whatever a certain 
uh, company wanted to get over would get over. Now it's there's a, a build from the fans, and that's what's super exciting too. Is the fans are taking wrestling in a different direction than it's ever been. So uh, you know, you never know. I, I would definitely give it my. Ch- I'm, I work hard, and I would definitely give it my best. Cool. So last question. Um, all in. You know, with Cody and the Young Bucks and everything doing the show, selling 10,000 tickets in 36 minutes or whatever it was. What are your thoughts? Is that the future of wrestling, where independent wrestling can use these viral videos, use this internet buzz, social media to, to, to draw? Or do you think that's a one-off, like, again, lightning in a bottle type thing? Do you think that's the, the wave of the future? Or is this just something that just fortunately came about? Well, it's there's definitely... There's definitely things at play here uh, that weren't, you know, to, to, to kind of take a side story here yeah. uh, or side comment. Uh, you know, wrestling seems to be the only the only business, not the only business, but where, you know, because every other every other pretty much every other job in the world, if you can be your own boss and be self-employed, that's the dream. That's that's what people aspire to be. In wrestling, they. You, it's kind of the reverse, where they want you to sign your freedom away, sign your rights away, and then you're a success. Uh, and, and it's and it's so, but I feel like there's a flip coming to that with things like All In uh, and Cody and the Bucks. Uh, you know, they're, they're establishing that you can be a do-it-yourself guy and you can make it and you can be successful. Um, and who knows what you know that. You know that's insane. I don't think even any of them thought about it selling out in 30 minutes or whatever it did. Uh, but that just shows the potential is there. They could have ran a bigger building probably and still sold out. So um, who knows what tomorrow holds as far as that goes? Cool. It's got to be an exciting time to be just a worker at this point. Yeah. All right, Joey. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.